of agony because at that moment, as the, Travis would read how the, the land went dark. Matter of fact, Luke very uniquely records that all of the earth went dark. And as Jesus was experiencing the consequences for you and for me, as all of our sins were placed upon him, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It tells us that for he who made him who knew no sin, the sinless one, to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So at that moment, as all of our sins were placed upon him, and he took the wrath and the judgment, making atonement for our sins, redeeming us. He would cry out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we need to remember that Jesus, as he went to that cross at that moment, that the fellowship that he had with the Father was broken as all of our sins were placed upon him. But he did it so that our fellowship with him and our relationship with him will never be broken you see, Jesus died for you and for me. And we know that not only did he provide redemption for eternal life and forgiveness of sin, making redemption for our sins, atonement for our sins, but so that we might have relationship with the Father that only comes through Jesus. The night before his crucifixion, he would say very clearly in John chapter 14, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say he was a way. He is the way, singularly. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he proved that by going to the cross and rising from the grave. So Jesus gives us relationship with the Father. And as Romans chapter 8 declares, even as uh, the book of Galatians, that we have the spirit of adoption that we can cry out, Abba, Father. Please remember that. Because sometimes we can feel so distant from the Lord. And sometimes we think, Lord, are you there? And, and Jesus said he'll never leave us or forsake us. We can cry out, Abba, Father. Abba literally means Papa, because we have relationship with him. So again, we can feel that God is so distant when we go through the difficulties. You're so far from helping me. This is what David is writing. And so wonder he's groaning and saying this. And Jesus went to the cross as he would cry those words out so that you and I, as we come in faith, that we can understand this, that he will never forsake us. But you are holy, verse 3, and thrown in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you, were not ashamed. Israel, of course, as you read the Old Testament, would find themselves in trouble. And God would deliver them from their enemies. Story after story, we read about that. Well, Jesus has delivered us from the greatest enemy, and that is sin. And if you were here on Sundays, we talked about the triumphal entry of Jesus. There's a lot of factors that were there. And one of the things that we discuss that Luke again records that the people, as he was making his way into Jerusalem, we're expecting him to usher in the kingdom of God immediately. So they're crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're waving the palm branches, which was a symbol, and we'll talk about it in our Daniel study, of political uh, deliverance. And, and they're thinking that the sky's going to open up, angels are going to descend, Romans are going to be destroyed, they're going to be free. But they didn't understand they were in the middle of God's redemptive plan. And that was Jesus was going to free them from something that was greater than the bondage of Rome. And that is the bondage of sin. The wages of sin is death. 
And there's a reason why Jesus came. We know. And we need to tell people that. He came to free us from sin, the greatest enemy, because the greatest need of any man or any woman is to be forgiven of sin. And sometimes as we go through life, we, we cry out, Lord, I need to be delivered from this enemy and this thing and, and this situation. And he is there to help us. But the greatest need is to be delivered from sin. And that's why he went to the cross. And he will come again. As I said, his, his triumphal entry is really going to be in Revelation chapter 19 when he comes back the second time and establishes his kingdom. But we have been delivered from sin. The wages of sin is death. And we can rejoice in that as he provided that deliverance in his death on the cross and his resurrection. And But I am a worm, verse 6 goes on to say, and no man. A reproach of men and despised by the people. And a worm and a no man, speaking of being helpless, powerless, is the weakest of animal life, no strength. And, and we call somebody a worm, and it's a very derogatory term. But in verse 7, all those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip and they shake their heads saying he trusted in the Lord let him rescue him let him deliver him since he delights in him now that sounds familiar because Travis it was just reading that from the gospels that the religious leaders were there and and the religious leaders the animosity and the anger and the hatred they had towards Jesus that we see is they arrested him. He went on trial before the Sanhedrin council. And as they condemned him to death, they put a bag over his head and they beat him. The next day they take him to Pilate and they're there just accusing him constantly. And Pilate says, don't you hear them? Even though Pilate knew that they had handed Jesus over because of envy and jealousy, and, and he found no fault in Jesus. But that animosity would continue as they would work up the crowd, crucify him, crucify him. And then even as he's on the cross suffering, that they're wagging their heads, the gospels say. It's a, it's a symbol of emotion. They're shaking their fist at Jesus. They're continuing to mock him when he's there suffering on the cross. So much anger that they had towards him. And they said he saved others, as it was read to you. They could not deny the miracles of Jesus, that he did save others. That he healed the blind and, and he healed people of every kind of sickness and disease. We know from John's gospel that it was a short time before his crucifixion that he raised Lazarus from the grave there in Bethany, just a few miles from Jerusalem. And word began to spread that, that Lazarus had risen from the grave and the religious leaders were more determined to put him to death than ever before because they were afraid they were going to lose their authority and position in the nation. And so they're saying he saved others. They couldn't deny that. And he did save others. But he himself he cannot save. If he trusts in God, let him save him. See, they were wrong in that because he could have saved himself. Remember in the garden when Peter pulled out the sword and he got Malchus' ear, the servant of the high priest, and Jesus said that you need to put the sword away. That don't you know that I can call down 12 legions of angels, Peter? All he had to do is simply speak, and 72,000 angels would have descended upon that garden and would have destroyed those Roman soldiers. He could have destroyed all of Jerusalem. He could have destroyed all of the world. But Peter, I'm going to take on the cup that the Father has given me to drink. And that is the cup of suffering and death. 
And I am convinced that as he made his way to that place of execution, that he was thinking about you, every single one of you that are here today. And it was because of his love for you. That's what kept him up on that cross. He could have just simply spoken and those angels would have descended. And I imagine the heavenly scene was those 72,000 angels with the sword in their sheath. They're just kind of just waiting for the word. Every time he got struck, every time they spat on him, they, they would beat him beyond recognition. When you read in John's gospel, when, when Pilate says to the crowd, behold the man, he was hoping to appease them with the, with the scourging. He's saying, look, look what they've done to him. The religious leaders beat him. Then the Romans got a hold of him. And the Romans put that cat of nine tails on his back, a leather strip, and, and then on each of that main leather strip, there was other strips of leather with a piece of metal on it, and they would put it on the back of Jesus, and whole chunks of skin would come off of him. They reduced him to raw hamburger. It was Isaiah that said he was marred more than any other man. They pulled out his beard. They put a crown of thorns that they pounded on his head, lacerating his whole scalp. He was unrecognizable. And he could have spoken at any time. He was truly the Lamb of God that was, you know, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was the Lamb that was led to the slaughter. And as we know from Revelation chapter 5, that John would see him in his scars. And I just wonder in that heavenly scene if the only, you know, man-made thing that we're going to see in heaven is the scars of Jesus. Like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, he says, who has redeemed us out of every tribe, tongues, people, and nation, redeemed us by his blood. So and it's an incredible scene there at the cross. And then as we continue here, and, but you have he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. And David, of course, trusted in the Lord since he was an infant. He wasn't going to stop trusting the Lord. And the pleas for help, and when he writes, there is no, none to help, he's implying, Lord, you're my help. And always tell people this, that Jesus is the one that is their help. He's their help for salvation. He's our redeemer. He is the savior. He is our help. A church is not going to save you. Your parents being Christian is not going to save you. You trying to be a good person is not going to save you. Only Jesus saves. Amen? And that's why he came, to save you because of his love for you and providing forgiveness of sin and rising from the grave. People need to understand that. But we as Christians, we can understand this, that he's our help. He's our savior. He is our redeemer. Verse 12 as we continue, many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. David looked at his enemies that had surrounded him and, and compared him to bulls, to animals. Now, a bull being a symbol of strength. The religious leaders, the Roman soldiers there that are mocking Jesus at the cross. But one of the thoughts is that David, David may be also describing the spiritual realm that was going on. 
the demonic realm that was mocking Jesus there at the cross. Very interesting because Bashan was a Canaanite deity. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that behind the idols are demons. And I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a posture, and my tongue clings to my jaws, and you have brought me to the dusk of death, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation, the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Isn't that amazing? Describing the, the pain that Jesus was going through, uh, how horrible crucifixion was, where we get our English word uh, excruciating. Jesus' heart would rupture. My heart is like wax. It's melted within me. We know that when the Roman soldier took that spear and thrust it up in the chest cavity of Jesus, it tells us in the Gospels that he pulled it out and out came the blood and water, which medical examiners will tell you is indicative of a ruptured heart. So his heart would be ruptured. His bones are out of joint. Now, I think all of us have had a bone out of joint, right? How painful that is. Can you imagine if all your bones are out of joint? And as Jesus was on that cross, it was a slow way to suffocate because you would be there and as your hands and feet were nailed, the air began to be squeezed out of you very slowly. It was a very slow process. And the only way to get any air was to push up on the nail that was in your feet would, would shoot excruciating pain up through your body and then collapse back down. Some people would be on the cross for a couple days before they died. Jesus was on the cross for six hours. And we know that as he's going through this suffering that we can't fully understand, my strength dried up, my tongue clinged to my jaws. You brought me to the dusk of death. He says in verse 16, they pierced my hands and my feet. This very specific description of crucifixion. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Of course, fulfilled there in the Gospels as the Roman soldiers were casting lots as they divided up his garments. And then John tells us specifically they were casting lots to see who would get his outer garment. It was his outer coat. It was uh, woven without seam. It would be very valuable. They wanted to see who could get it. We could sell it for a lot of money. Hey, let's see who's going to get that garment. It's valuable. We can sell it, make a buck out of it. I pray that for us here, that we don't play games with our Christianity. Jesus there watching them as they're casting lots for his coat, playing games, even as he was dying for their sins. That we would understand that we were the most blessed people that belong to a kingdom that will last forever. And what he has done for us, that we would walk with him and talk with him. Get to know him. Understand he is our hope. He's everything that we need. He's our help. And his word is true and sufficient for our lives. And here they are casting lots to get his clothing. But you, O Lord, not be far from me. O strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword. My precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. And then he says, you have answered me. Continue plead for help and deliverance. Hasten me, help me, and deliver me. Save me from the dogs, the lion's mouth, and the horns of a wild oxen. 
from the sword. Now we know that Satan, he's called a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that he is our enemy. But I love what Colossians chapter 2 tells us. And you being dead in your trespasses, that's you and me, because of sin, we're spiritually dead. He writes the same thing in Ephesians chapter 2, that you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. He has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Amen. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Listen, having disarmed principalities and powers, they made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That principalities and powers, in other words, Satan has been defeated. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. That's a military term that when the Romans would defeat an army, they would take the, the... the opposing generals and soldiers and people they captured and stripped them and prayed at them, you know, through the streets, humiliating them. Satan has no victory over you. We fight not for victory from victory. Yes, he comes against us. He throws the fiery darts at us. He's the accuser of the brethren who accuses us day and night. Yes, he is one that will deceive. He lies to us. He'll come against us constantly. And know that as you grow in the Lord, that you're going to see that spiritual warfare continue. But I want you to know this, that we have victory because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And you keep your focus on him. Sometimes Christians, they always keep their focus on the enemy and the enemy and the enemy. Yeah, we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, but you walk in the light. And I always tell people when there's darkness, you go into a dark room, what do you do? Flip on the light. But some Christians are so focused about, you know, the enemy and Satan, this and that. Listen, focus on the light, Jesus Christ, the light of the world that's in you. So David goes from this pain to praise because we know that Jesus, that he would breathe his last. And before he did that, he cried out, it is finished. It is finished. Will you always remember that? Because there will be somebody that will come along and say, no, it's not finished. You have to to worship on this day. You have to be baptized. I'm not saying baptism isn't important. We're going to have some baptisms this summer. Or you have to go to this church. Or you have to do something. There's something you have to do to earn salvation. Jesus said, it is finished. You've heard me say this before. Don't put a question mark where God puts a period. All right. He did the work. He paid the price. Now you come in faith. You receive him into your hearts. Salvation is a free gift. Read Romans chapter 3, 4, and 5. And you underline how many times it says free. Free, free, free. You can't earn it. But know this, should we continue in sin that grace abounds? No, right? We're dead to sin. We identify with Christ, live for him, all right? Walk with him, be blessed, and we can, as we look at the pain of Jesus, walk out of this place rejoicing because this weekend we're going to talk about how the tomb is empty. Amen? It is finished. We are the most blessed people that there are, and people need to know. 
our families, community, this nation, the hope is Christ crucified. So wonder Paul, when he came into Corinth, he said, I didn't come with the wisdom of man. He said, I came in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit, determined to know nothing but what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for this time. I thank you for everybody coming out. I pray you bless the rest of our afternoon and this weekend that we would grab somebody as we hear the living hope that we have through the resurrection. Bless everyone here, Lord, that, that Lord, as we look at the crucifixion of Jesus, but remember that that's not the end of the story that he was prepared by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and put into a tomb that he only borrowed for three days, and then he rose again. But I also want to pray for anyone who is here to know this, that he is the Savior of the world. He's the only one that died for your sins and rose again. No one else did. No other religious leaders. No one else can save you, only Jesus And the Bible says that as you come, know that it is finished. And as you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Come in faith. Repenting, that means just change direction. Repent and turn to Jesus, who is the Savior of the world, who came and died for you. And the invitation is always come. Come and call out to him and ask for forgiveness of sin because he wiped out the handwriting requirement on that cross and brings forgiveness and eternal life and right relationship with the Father. Will you come today? And you can pray right where you are. Jesus, I come and I ask you, forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. Forgive me. And that you rose again in your life. Be my personal Lord and Savior. And I do believe it is finished. And now I want to know you and walk with you all the days of my life. I thank you for this new beginning. And I thank you for your love for me. Proven. And that you'll never leave me or forsake me. Lord, I want to know you all the days of my life. And please you with my life. In Jesus' name. I pray again, Lord, that as we, this weekend, come to the empty tomb, that our hearts would rejoice, even as we walk out of this place rejoicing, that the provision of salvation for us. Again, as we leave this place, bless our weekend, our time together as we meet for the four services. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you please stand? All right, for some of you, it's back to work, right?